This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, over the weekend and since late last week when an American bank, the Silicon Valley Bank, collapsed and had to be bailed out. The chaos has spread around the world. It's now Monday midday as we talk uh, about this, and it's a pleasure to welcome to the stand, as always, Chris Johns. Chris is the former chief economist of the Bank of Ireland and now a very respected commentator and a very valued contributor to the stand. He has his own podcast, incidentally. It's called The Other Hand, and it also is very, very good. Now, Chris, uh, good morning to you, and thank you very much for talking to us. Some people are trying to minimize this as we speak, but it does appear to be spreading, and there is a, a sub-headline in the Irish Times saying, talking about echoes of 2008, which was an international bank collapse triggered by one of the big American banks going bust. Chris, first of all, why did Silicon Valley Bank go bust? And what measures are people taking? For example, I noticed the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, saying banks are now much stronger than they were in 2008. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Let's deal with your first question. Why did SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, go under? First of all, it was a peculiar bank. It wasn't, it's not a JP Morgan or a Chase Manhattan or a Goldman Sachs, any of those sorts of names. It's a medium sized bank. It's a regional bank in the United States that until the last couple of weeks, nobody on this side of the water had ever heard of. It specialized in taking deposits and lending to Silicon Valley as its name suggests. It was very much enmeshed in the tech world. Yes. And that meant that its customer base was quite unusual. It was all the tech bros, as they call themselves, and people like Silicon Valley venture capitalists who deposited money, as I say, and also borrowed from them. And they had an awful lot of deposits because venture capitalists, given their name, have an awful lot of money. They have a lot of deposits to place, and they put it all there. The people that venture capitalists fund, which are generally the tech startups, the people that populate Silicon Valley hoping to become billionaires, receive their money when they start up 
and they take a while to spend it. So they put the money that they get from venture capitalists on deposit. Add all that up, and Silicon Valley Bank had an awful lot of money on deposit, which doesn't sound like a problem, because it isn't, and it shouldn't be. But then there were two huge failures. The first one was on the part of the bank itself. It said to itself, we are now going to do something with these deposits to try and make some money. And what it did was it bought ostensibly ultra-safe U.S. government bonds. It lent the money to the U.S. government, which in normal circumstances is a reasonably sensible thing to do. But they violated one of the first rules of finance is don't put all your eggs in one basket. You should always have a diversified spread of what you do with your money, whether it's you, Eamon, as an individual with your pension fund, or whether it's a big bank. You shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. So that's the first thing they did. Then they got the second big failure was that the regulator allowed them to do this. And the main reason, there were several, but the main reason why the regulator allowed them to do this rather dopey thing of putting all their eggs in one basket was something that Donald Trump did a good few years ago. Because this is a difference between the United States and Europe in terms of its banking regulation. Both sides of the Atlantic, post-financial crisis, put their foot on the neck of all banks via tightened regulations in all sorts of different ways. Quite appropriately, it should have been done years ago, and they are still there in Europe, these very tight regulations. But for a certain number of small and medium-sized banks, including SVB, Donald Trump, in response to an awful lot of lobbying by these banks and Congress, conspired to loosen the regulations so that they didn't get that much supervision. And in particular, they weren't subjected to something called stress tests, which the big banks like JP Morgan are. So nobody asked the question of SVB, what would happen if your investments in treasury bonds fell in price? Nobody asked the question. And guess what happened last year? Those bonds fell in price. And then somebody noticed that they were carrying these bonds, which they bought at 100 and are now worth 80. I'm making these numbers up for illustration. Yes. And they said, oh, my God. Oh my, this bank is actually carrying hidden losses. So money started to flow out. And the big depositors where I started this story, whose cash it was that this bank had lent to the US government, just simply asked for their cash back. And one of the modern ways in which you do this now, of course, is different to the 2008 crisis. When you remember Northern Rock in the UK, there were queues outside the branches to people getting their money, that old-fashioned bank run. These days, you get your money out with a click of a mouse. And that's what happened. And they lost something like $40 billion in half a, half a minute uh, just before the Feds moved in. So it was a failure on the bank of what we call risk management, in particular interest rate risk management on the part of the management of the bank. And it was a failure on the part of the regulators to, to allow them to do it in the first place. So in a way, the echoes of the financial crisis are in both the behavior of the bank and its management and in the behavior of the regulators, both were found wanting. It's not like the financial crisis in the sense that that was caused by banks lending money to people to buy overpriced houses and then not getting their money back, people defaulting on their loans. So that hasn't happened. It wasn't what we call credit losses, people that SVB had led the money back, not paying them back. It was uh, uh, essentially, bizarrely, if you like, they made these so-called ultra-safe investments in U.S. government bonds that turned out to be anything but. Now, Chris, as we speak, there's a story breaking in the Financial Times, and the headline is, EU authorities express concern over Swiss 
wipeout of risky debt. Credit Suisse, uh, which is uh, a very um, big, well-known uh, institution, uh, bank, the bondholders are in uproar. Uh, their bondholders are in uproar because they've written off $17 billion of debt. Right. This, these these particular us? bonds, they're called AT1 bonds. The, these particular bonds are a direct result of that increased regulation that I spoke about just there, post-2008 yes. financial crisis. In order to improve the balance sheet position, the financial strength of banks, the regulators made these banks issue bonds that were what we call loss-bearing. Now, you might remember uh, the great debate in Ireland during the financial crisis, particularly with respect to Anglo, but also yes. with respect to one or two other institutions. The big question every day in the newspapers, every day on primetime, was should we burn the bondholders? Burn the bondholders, yes. Yeah, and this was... But they were they buying bonds at 30p in the pound or less. And in, by in, in the end, when it was decided to bail them out, they were getting the, their 100p. Is that relevant? It is relevant because what yeah. that, that was take that's looking at that particular episode in financial market history at a point in time. Originally, banks like Anglo would have issued these bonds at 100p in the pound or 100 cents in the euro or there or thereabouts and offered to pay a rate of interest on those bonds. And these are very normal financial transactions. And when people worried, started to worry that the bondholders, as they have been today, were going to get burnt. Back in 2008, they fell in price, as you say, to something like sometimes 30 cents on the euro. And what then happened was that hedge funds in particular started to bet that European yes. regulators wouldn't allow the Irish government to burn those bondholders yes. and would, in the, in the jargon, make them whole and would end up repaying those bondholders at 100 cents on the euro. And that's exactly what happened. Incidentally, Chris, and uh, don't answer this if it in any way compromises you, uh, should we have burned the bondholders in the national interest? It's my personal opinion that some of those bondholders should have been burned. Yes, absolutely. And the debate rages around this awful phrase, whether or not a bank is systemic or not. And that's why they've had a go at Credit Suisse today in terms of merging it into UBS, is that that was deemed to be a systemic bank. And I think the, I don't know, but my, th my feeling is that the inclination of some people in authority in Ireland was to burn some of the bondholders back then, that it was the right thing to do rather than get the taxpayers to bail them out. Um, and it was the European authorities, the ECB, um, in particular, a character called Jean-Claude Trichet. You might remember that name. Oh, the Frenchman, yeah. Yes, he was a former French finance minister. He prevailed on the Irish authorities yes. and basically told them, you, you've got to bail them out because these banks, all of your banks in Ireland, are systemic. That if they go under and your bondholders are burnt, that will have ramifications for all other European banks and therefore all other global banks. That's what systemic means, is that if one bank goes under, it risks taking a whole host of others with them. My belief, and it's impossible to prove one way or the other, is that Anglo wasn't systemic and it could have been allowed to fail in a much more drastic way, at least in terms of taxpayer bailout, than it was. But that's an opinion. Not everybody agrees with it. You asked right. a question. I, I think the bondholders in that particular institution should have been burnt. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Now, the Silicon Valley bank bust has spread internationally in Asia this morning when the market where the market markets opened very early and uh, before uh, we get out of bed. There was bad news. And for example, UBS shares have fallen after Credit Suisse rescue deal. Now, Credit Suisse is a very, well, for the normal person such as myself, it's rock solid, uh, been there forever. The Swiss don't do stupidity, certainly don't do uh, the kind of stupidity uh, we might be capable of ourselves. That is what the and mythology says, in reality, what's happened to Credit Suisse and why? And more, most importantly, is it contagious? Is this situation contagious? Well, first things first, you, you talk about the Swiss having a fantastic reputation for banking. They do. And some of it's deserved. Some of it isn't. The, the entity that's bought Credit Suisse at a knockdown price this morning is a bank called UBS, Union Bank of Switzerland itself is a creation of two other banks several years ago that has lots of echoes of today's crisis. There were there used to be three big Swiss banks. Today, there are only one. On Friday, there were two. The two big Swiss banks that got in, one got into trouble last time was actually called UBS. And they had done all sorts of daft things in financial derivatives. And a hasty merger, sound familiar? was arranged by the Swiss yep. authorities between a, com- a bank called SBC, Swiss Banking Corporation. And bizarrely, in this looking glass world of Swiss banking, they decided that the bank that was rescuing uh, the other entity, uh, so SBC rescued UBS, but the new entity would be called UBS. It wasn't a cover-up, 
but it was a, a very strange decision. So UBS exists because an, it, another big bank called UBS got into trouble several years ago. And so the Swiss have form in this regard. So yeah, they're good, but no, they're not great at this. Credit Suisse got itself into trouble for completely different reasons to SVB, completely different. Um, SVP is a very young institution. Um, it's not that big. Uh, Credit Suisse is huge. It is globally systemic. Absolutely. It is a systemic institution. If it went under and took out all of its bondholders, all of its depositors, any of its depositors, it would have huge, huge ramifications. So they had to do something. The reason why it's got itself into trouble goes back quite a few years. First of all, it is a very badly run bank. Um, you might ask, are there any well-run banks out there? The answer is yes, but unfortunately, there aren't enough of them. There are still some very badly run banks. It's had all sorts of changes of chief executive. One of its chief executives got caught up in a spying scandal. Um, another got caught up because of, of lockdown breaches of regulations. Uh, you might remember David Cameron, the ex-British prime minister, got caught up in a scandal here in the UK called yes. Greensill. Um, uh, Credit Suisse's fingerprints are on that one. Um, there was a big financial scandal a couple of years ago involving a hedge fund called Archegos, which took billions of losses. Guess who was involved in that? Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse lost money last year and lost an amount equivalent to its previous 10 years profits. So it wasn't a very profitable bank. Um, but at the same time, it's what we call its liquidity position and its balance sheet and its capital, its measures of financial strength, if you like, were all very good. Um, and people weren't that worried about its survival. Um, they were worried about aspects of Credit Suisse, particularly on the investment banking side, because unlike SVP, it had an investment bank that gets involved in all these sorts of strange financial shenanigans and, and it was often the source of its problems. The catalyst for what happened last week was a statement by the Saudi investor in Credit Suisse. Uh, a little while ago, the Saudis took a 10% stake in Credit Suisse. And at the beginning of last week, they said they're not going to buy any more shares. In, in, that was it. 10% was the limit. And yeah. the reason for that was absolutely understandable. It wasn't a statement about whether or not they thought Credit Suisse was uh, weak or strong or whatever, or good or a bad investment. It's just that under, under the regulations... Um, taking a greater than 10% stake involves all sorts of issues that they didn't want to go anywhere near. So they said, from a regulatory point of view, we're not going to invest anymore. They didn't say it was because it was a, a view of Credit Suisse. But right. the markets being the markets didn't believe them. And it started a run on the bank. And this is where it starts to get a little bit like SVB and every other bank problem in history is that the depositors in Credit Suisse in Switzerland started to yank their money. And so money was starting to flow out of Credit Suisse and a multi-billion liquidity facility offered by the Swiss Na National Bank to Credit Suisse wasn't enough to stem these outflows. So the authorities had to step in and say, confidence has been lost in Credit Suisse and we have to sort this problem out. And that issue of confidence is at the heart of all of this and is at the heart of the answer that one might give to your question about what happens next. Is this contagious? Is this going to spread? Because I'll just finish here, and I know I'm going on a bit. Um, no, no, it's important that you, you say what you know. Confidence is at the heart of all banking. Banking yes. is a confidence trick. Because as yes. you know, if we all turned up at our branches of the Bank of Ireland and AIB and every other bank in the world and asked for our money back today, the banking system would collapse because right. our money isn't there. 
And so it, it, it requires this psychological ephemeral thing called confidence. And this can drain away for any one of a number of reasons. I've just described why confidence drained away out of SVB because of what it was doing with respect into US government bonds. I've talked about CSF Credit Suisse in the context of being involved in financial scandals, of being a badly run bank, of making bets on markets that went wrong. Confidence drained away. So for, through two different routes, you end up at the same place with these two banks that confidence disappeared. Now, the issue going forward is, will confidence disappear from any other financial institutions? And different people have different views on this. You mentioned at the top of the show that lots of people are saying that this isn't a global contagion rerun of the great financial crisis. And there are a number of reasons why people say that. Important people say that because it is the right thing to say at any point in time because of that confidence issue. If you have an important finance minister or central banker, or even important, unlike me, big important market commentator jumping up and down saying, this is it, it's another big one, that will feed the loss of confidence. So it, yes. it, r responsible people try to calm things down. And it is the job of central bankers and politicians to calm things down, not to make a bad situation worse. So everybody, ha everybody has a vested interest in talking this down and saying, we retain confidence in the system. But everybody is very worried without knowing. Nobody, no finance minister or central banker knows what's going to happen next. You say everybody. Uh, do short sellers have a vested well, interest? The pe people, whose in, job it, yeah, people whose job it is to take a view in this uncertain world, um, I think a significant proportion of them are worried enough about future losses of confidence to start thinking that this is the start of a bigger problem. And that we're not knowing where it will come up, they will be doing things like taking short positions in the share prices of what they consider to be the weakest banks, the likeliest candidates for further problems. They won't know that it's going to be a problem, but their job is to, is their rather strange job, it has to be said, is to take bets on the highest probability, highest probability of a bank going under. It's a, it's like horse racing, I mean, you, you bet on form. You, you, yeah. you, you can, you can either throw, Darts at, at a list of horses, or you can look at their form. Whatever way it is, you, you make a bet based on what you consider to be probabilities. And unless you're you're on the inside, which is illegal, of course, and um, you don't actually know which bank is 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 going. To, if any bank is if any bank is going to get into trouble, and if but if one does, which one? But there are banks we can measure these things in terms of all of those financial strength indicators that I briefly mentioned earlier on. We can look at these and say, well, if there's trouble coming. These are the banks most likely yes. to get themselves into trouble. In that context, uh, Chris, how are Irish banks um, set up uh, and in what shape or how vulnerable are they? Right I don't now? think that, and this is not just me trying to be a responsible commentator. On the basis of the financial strength indicators that we know about, they are in a totally different position to back in 2008. They are much stronger. They are far less exposed to one particular sector. Back then, it was all property related. Um, yes. Their loans are, um, they're not going bad. Uh, I, the only worry you would have about the Irish banks is if you thought that we were going to go into a big rece economic recession and the loans that they have made start, start to go bad. Right. And the Irish economy is doing well. There's a writer I sometimes, uh, a commentator, he's an academic, actually, the president of the Queen's, of Queen's College in Cambridge and an advisor to Allianz and Gramercy Banks. His name is Mohammed El Arian. Yes. He says that the Federal Reserve are meeting this week 
um, I think, to set uh, the interest rates for the United States. He said that in reality, the developments represent an amplification of a long-running predicament. They put the Fed in a deeper policy hole and make this week's decision on U.S. interest rates particularly important. Uh, what? Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. right, because you've, you've got two things going on. You've got the central banks up until this financial crisis blew up a few days ago, focused almost entirely on one thing, which is inflation. Yes. The inflation that has been raging in our economies, causing the cost of living crisis. They've been putting interest rates up rapidly, particularly in the United States, but also in Europe. And people like me and Mohammed have been jumping up and down saying, be careful, because although it is absolutely the right thing to do to put interest rates up in the way that you are doing to control inflation, there may well be unintended consequences. Because we've not lived through this, these kinds of interest rate rises for a very long time, if ever, certainly not in modern economic history. And when interest rates do go up in this unprecedented way, the risks you are running are of a financial accident. And we don't know where that will come. Um, but people who borrowed too much money or did stupid things with their deposits will be exposed when these interest rates go up in the way that you are. So now you want to put interest rates up again because your inflation rate is still too high. But we now know where those accidents caused by your higher interest rates are occurring. SVB, the reason why yeah. the value of its treasury bonds went down was because the Federal Reserve had put interest rates up. It's a direct and they had to pay their clients the higher rate. That, that's partly right. Yes, absolutely. So now you've got the, the, the two objectives. A central banker is charged always and everywhere with controlling inflation and maintaining the stability of the financial system. And it's got two things that it can use to do that. It can put interest rates up and down, and it can be involved in the financial regulation. But the main arm is interest rates. So if interest rates are solving your inflation problem, or hopefully solving your inflation problem going forward, but causing financial instability, what are you going to do? Because yes. you're caught between the ultimate rock and a hard place, Scylla yes. and Charybdis, you, whatever metaphor that you want to use, you are in a policy hole. And uh, I think the end, the end result of all of this, and again, this is probabilistic, we don't know that it's certain, is that they are going to have to slow down the rate of interest rate increases to, and accept, therefore, a higher rate of inflation that they are comfortable with in order to maintain financial stability. If they still go hell-bent for leather, raising interest rates in the way that they always wanted to, just focusing on inflation, the risks that they're running for the financial system will only start to build. Because we've had these problems with SVB and Credit Suisse caused by fairly unique sets of circumstances, particularly dopey behaviors on the part of banks. But there's a general point to make is that if you can expect banks to do anything, it's usually to behave badly. And these won't be yes. the only two that have behaved badly. We know this from the financial crisis. We know this because this is what banks are like. The reason why we have regulators all over banks in the way that we have them now, and one of the reasons to be confident about the Irish banks is that the Irish regulator is very tough these days, completely different. <laughs> I remember the previous Irish yeah, uh, regulator who I saw be... on primetime assuring us that everything, the Irish banks 
were sound as a rock. Yeah. Uh, That was about uh, two weeks before the crash. Back in the day, Irish banks were very poorly regulated. Now, the, the, the Central Bank of Ireland, deservedly and appropriately, has the reputation of being one of the toughest regulators in the world, actually. Um, so that's another reason for having confidence. Is that post-2008? <laughs> very much so. Very much so. It's a completely different institution, completely different regulatory environment. But given that we have the, the, this hole that policymakers are, are, are in about what are we going to do with interest rates? Do we focus entirely on inflation or do we worry about the banks and what higher interest rates will do to our financial system? The right thing to do, it's a horrible choice, is to slow it down and maybe not even to raise interest rates at all and let things calm down and, frankly, accept a slightly higher rate of inflation than perhaps, you, as I say, you are right. comfortable with. And that's why I think, and this is my final point on this, is that the ECB last week went with its half a point rise in interest rates in the midst of this credit suisse crisis. It may turn out to have been the right decision, but right now, today, I think it was the wrong decision. They should have, they should have done less than that and should have sent out a signal that they are prepared to do what it takes to, to solve both the inflation problem and the financial stability problem. Now, I just listened to a commentator in London from the Financial Times, uh, and I'll give you two quotes. Uh, when asked at the end of an interview how things were this morning, uh, she answered, pretty grim, quote, unquote, and then everybody is nervous. Could you comment on that remark? And then could you finally, Chris, outline which of us in this country, in Ireland, although we have many listeners in Britain and USA, which of us in this country are most at risk and of what? Okay, the reason why things were grim, particularly the opening of financial markets, particularly stock markets this morning, is they opened heavily down. As we're speaking right now, they've bounced. But I think that's because nobody really knows what's going to happen next. We don't know where, if or when another SVB or Credit Suisse is going to pop out of the woodwork. The slightly more medium, longer term concern that everybody has is that the, the, the final shoe hasn't dropped yet in yes. terms of the consequences, the economic consequences of these higher interest rates that we've been talking about now for over a year. Because the whole point of higher interest rates is to slow your economy down. And frankly, in the case of the United States, is probably to cause a recession, hopefully a brief one, hopefully not a terribly deep one. But the point about the interaction of the economic cycle, the business cycle with the banking system is that when you do get an economic slowdown, and in particular, when you get a recession, that's when all of those credit losses start to build for the banks. That's when their customers to whom they have made loans with your money, depositors money, that's when that shoe hasn't dropped yet. We haven't had a big increase in bad loans for banks. And if that's right. coming, then the banking system has yet to take the full hit of these interest rate rises. And so that's why I think that people are going to stay very nervous. We're going to see stock markets going up and down a lot. Um, but on balance, I'm in the nervous camp. You mentioned Mohamed El Arian. He's one of those globally yes. systemically important commentators, if you like. Yes, and he's an academic. He doesn't appear to be a short seller. He doesn't have skin in the game in a financial sense. No, and he has to be circumspect. He can't be one yes. of these people that jump up and down saying, you know, this is awful, this is dreadful, and contribute to the lack of confidence. I'm less important than Mohammed, and I can, or I can tell you that I'm 
publicly more nervous than he is about what happens next. Okay. Just a, f- a final question. It was part two of what I asked you before. Who in Ireland is most at risk in a situation like this? Business, people with savings, people with mortgages? Well, if this was another or, or financial all the crisis, above. Well, it is in a way all of the above, and it depends on what happens next. If it is a, if this, we are going to, if we have a financial crisis that leads to a recession, then everybody, of course, is affected by recession. Um, the, 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 the fallout from SVB will affect Ireland because, um, at, at the margin and probably more than at the margin, funding for tech companies is going to dry up yeah. or at least be far less available than it was. And we know how reliant on Ireland, Ireland is for tech. Uh, the whole tech story is is tricky at the moment. You've seen um, how Facebook or Meta, as it's called, is is yes. laying off even more workers. That's all going on. Not so much part of this financial crisis, but it it, it is very much intertwined with it. So the the rapid growth in tech, from a whole host of reasons, is 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 over. Um, I don't think that anybody should be worried about their deposits in Irish banks. I, just out of pure abundance of caution, I would say check out what the insurance guarantee is, what the what the government uh, guarantees your deposits should your bank fail. I do not think that is going to happen. But if you've got, I think I think it's about a hundred thousand euros. I can't quite remember. It is a hundred thousand. It is a hundred thousand yeah. euros. I heard on the news this morning. Yeah, I don't think it's at risk. But just through an abundance of caution, if you've got a hundred and twenty, if you're lucky enough to have a hundred and twenty thousand euros in the bank. Put a hundred with one institution and twenty with another would be would be my recommendation. But that is via an abundance of caution. Um, I do not think that your deposits are unsafe in Ireland. The main risk to Ireland is all external. It's whether or not there are more European and or US banks going to get themselves into trouble and therefore drag our economies down. Because Ireland would not be immune, economically speaking, from that should it happen. Okay, Chris, we're very grateful to you, Chris Jones, former. Chief Economist with the Bank of Ireland and now a very treasured uh, contributor to the stand. We're very grateful to Chris, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. Talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.